Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there and welcome. It is August 26th and uh, yet another edition of Lynn Cullen Still Live. Or alive, I guess. Um, hope you're doing okay. Hope you didn't watch the convention last night. <laughs> I I tried not to, and then I made the mistake of tuning in uh, in time for Melania. So um, that I saw. Good God in heaven. I mean, talk about dropping into an alternative reality. My God. <laughs> She was talking about the man she is married to as if he were the most compassionate uh human being ever. With it, it was it was I mean the the cognitive dissonance that you have to experience while watching these Republicans, listening to these Republicans now is painful. I mean, it is painful. And I feel for anybody who has to somehow sum up in some uh, legible, coherent way uh, what that was last night. Uh, such a task fell to <laughs> Frank Bruni of the <laughs> New York Times. And um, man, he uh he he really looks like he needs to um have some help i mean like i think he needs to take a break because you can feel the rage the fear he actually says in his column that he wrote after last night that he was afraid um, I'll share just, he, he did a hell of a job. I just want to share a, a, a little, little bit of it. Um, he talks about the speeches that were given and I, maybe you've read about some, it's, it's, it's mind blowing, um, how they recast Donald Trump, his record and, uh, how certain things are simply, well, I'll go, I'll go to Bruni. He, he talked about their revisionist, obviously, history. He says it is, it, you know, and that's what the the commies in uh, the Soviet Union were always doing. I remember as a kid being just blown away that, I mean, someone new would take over and they'd literally rewrite the history books. People would disappear from history. This is before I understood that. America did the same kind of thing. But he says that what Trump is not up to uh, revisionist history as much as it's, it's science fiction. It's historical erasure. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just mind-blowing. So all these people speaking, talking about his generosity of spirit, seriously, his compassion. Uh, 
you know, Bruni listening to that clearly starts going nuts, but God bless him. He can come up with something that sums that up, a, a turn of phrase. He says that it is uh, standing, they are standing, then he thinks better of that, no, grandstanding, at the confluence of audacity and absurdity. There it is. And anyone who tuned in for any of it, that's where you were when you found yourself, you know, unable to conjure any words for what you were watching. You were standing in their world at the confluence of audacity and absurdity. And that's when Bruni says, and they are scaring me. Because they are demonstrating that Trump's most formidable advantage over Joe Biden isn't his incumbency. It's his party's shamelessness. Anyone who's listened to me over the decades know that I started saying Republicans were shameless maybe about 15, 20 years ago when it occurred to me, my God, they're shameless. (laughs) And it's only gotten more so and more so and more so. So that they will simply say whatever they think they can get away with, and obviously they think they can get away with anything. They will flout whatever rules, whatever laws don't suit them. They did it last night. They will stage any stunt. They did it last night. The president, the president, like some emperor of old, dispensing on national television So magnanimous is he, a pardon to a former bank robber who has, I guess, uh, you know, turned his life around, fine. But who was, last night, turned into a prop. As were those five dark-skinned immigrants who were picked to be props in this naturalization ceremony from the White House. Again, a violation of the Hatch Act, by the way, clear violation of the Hatch Act, but that happens 20 times a day by 20 different uh, administration uh, officers and officials. like Mike Pompeo, who is now ensconced, or at least was last night, at the uh, luxurious King David Hotel in Jerusalem. At your expense, you're paying his bills. He flew over there and, you know, first class, his own plane. At your expense to do what secretaries of state do 
and all that's okay. But what he did last night, appearing at the convention, he was acting not as Secretary of State, but as a politician, which is something that no other person who has held that position has done in almost a century. Because everyone else, and man, there was a bunch of them I didn't like, at least understood what their job was and where the lines were drawn. So I I, I hope you didn't watch it. It's... um, it's a, it, it's really it is hard and it, it's almost like uh, assaultive. So um, I think my sister was right when she said she's not going to watch, and I I don't know that I can watch anymore. I think I'm going to spare myself this evening um, because it's uh, really rough, rough. Little Tony says, newsflash, Melania Trump married Trump for his money. (laughs) Well, you don't think there's a deep and abiding love between those two? Little Tony, how cynical. I have seen her face when she's with him, says Tony, and I think she's as disgusted by him as much as we are, maybe even more. She actually kissed him last night. I don't think I've ever seen them kiss. I wonder how long they'll be married after he hopefully loses the election to sell your soul for the likes of this man. Well, she ain't alone there. Um, Okay. Now, do I have anything else? I I really just – oh, there was one speaker um, that apparently got yanked at the last minute. Uh, So there was one uh, horrific, vile human being uh, dropped from the the speaker's list. Last moment, moments before, she was scheduled to speak. A woman named Mary Ann Mendoza was told, hey babe, Even we aren't willing to put you out there with what you just did. And what she had just done was, like a good Trump devotee, she had tweeted. She had actually retweeted. Retweeted a QAnon conspiracy theory about how Jews were plotting to terrorize Goyim, non-Jews. She resurrected the protocols of the elders of Zion, which has resulted in the, certainly helped, in the deaths of literally millions of Jewish people. Um, 
And there she was, flat out saying, she brought it up, all up, all up. It was unbelievable. She said, the protocols of the elders of Zion is not a fabrication. And it is not anti-Semitic to point out this fact. Oh, my God. The Rothschilds, she says. are using their globalist media mouthpiece. Here it all is. Rothschilds, bankers, Jews, media run the world. And they are doing that to declare that Donald Trump is threatening to destroy the new world order. Now, understand, those last two, I believe, tweets were from a year ago or so. So this woman and her views were known, and they still booked her. They still booked her. She's tweeted accusing George Soros of using violence to bring about a one-world government. Um, It's Jews, Jews all the time. So, as I said the other day, when you start looking at what QAnon is about, and you look at this unbelievable, unbelievable story they tell about uh, flesh-eating pedophiles that include you, I got news for you, and me, um, anyone who's in opposition to Donald Trump is part of this conspiracy, which is, which is run by this cabal. And anytime you mention an international cabal, what you're saying the, clearly, although you're trying to cover it, is Jews. So this is just classic, classic. And this woman was about to give her wonderful views at the um, convention last night, and someone decided, you know, she might be, you know, more trouble than this, this one's worth. So let's pull her. Not to, no problem, you know. They let uh, this god-awful Florida AG Biondi, you know, spout all kinds of lies about Hunter Biden and the Bidens. Um, it, it, it was, don't watch. You, I'm telling you, because I care about you. Don't watch. They had that little creep, the kid who so disrespected that old Native American man, um, on the Washington, uh, on the, on the uh, National Mall. And they had him posed in front of the Lincoln Memorial, that revolting kid, talking about how the lefties tried to cancel him. This is that cancel culture thing they're on to. And I will say this. There is cancel culture crap that does go on on the left, but it can't ever hold a candle to Donald Trump's cancel culture and that he would choose to run suggesting that cancel culture is this horrible deployed by his opponents when he's the master of it. I brought this up a little bit yesterday, but I only brought up 
a few little things. He's been doing cancel culture way before he was ever in the White House. I mean, I have a list here. Oh, no, stop that. Um, okay, let me just go to when he's president. Here are some. Okay. Trump calls on the Wall Street Journal to fire its editorial board because it criticized him. Trump says Fox News should fire, get this, remember this, strategist and commentator Carl Rove for being insufficiently positive about his victory. Trump proposes a boycott of Megyn Kelly's Fox News show because it's too negative about him. Trump says that NFL players and other athletes who don't stand for the national anthem should be fired. Trump talks about how he might challenge the broadcast licenses of NBC or other networks because of their news coverage. He calls for a boycott of CNN. He calls for a boycott of Harley Davidson. Any of these ringing little bells in your head? This is cancel culture. Trump urges people to stop using or subscribing to AT&T. Trump suggests Deborah Messing should be fired. He suggests that the New York Times should fire Paul Krugman. Trump threatens to shut down social media companies because they're fact-checking him. And on and on, a day does not go by. So again, the shamelessness, the shamelessness, the projection, as I have said for years, anytime Trump is saying that person did this awful thing, the odds are really, really good that he did that awful thing. He projects onto others. Uh, God. I want to play something for you. This, um, it moved me very much. I won't play it all. This is, um, a black man, the coach of the uh, L.A. Clippers, Doc Rivers. And this is, you know, in a post-game, post-game, you know, where they sit down and supposed to be talking about the game. But of course, because he's a black man, like so many in the NBA, He ends up having to address, and in this case, it was it's the shooting in Kenosha, and I will get to that in a little bit, of uh, another name now that we got to get in our heads. One can't remember all these names. Jacob Blake, who I said yesterday, I hope he's not paralyzed. He's paralyzed. 
So this is Doc Rivers. Let me get it here for you. And it's so, I mean, so full of feeling and power. Why can't I find it? Why isn't it here? That's very odd. Okay, I'll find it someplace else. Um, I mean, that that he has to say these these things. That he has to, he says, I, I want to be a coach. But he can't be, because he's a black man in this country. Uh, oh, damn it. Somebody send it to me. I can't find it. I had it. I had it. I've lost it. Um, so, just one more thought. I'm sorry. I, it's hard to talk and do all this uh, sh- stuff at the same time. Can't do it. So, um, you know, a lot of the players, by the way, that are playing, you know, the NBA is playing down in that bubble in, uh, you know, Disney World or whatever. Um, a lot of them are feeling that they don't want to be there doing that. They want to uh, be, a lot of them are you know, saying, I want to be out there. I want to be protesting. Um they, f- they feel that. And, you know, and they're wearing on the backs of their jerseys, if you've watched any of this, on the backs of their jerseys, they're, um, they have, you know, Black Lives Matter or um, other phrases uh, uh, rather than their, their own names. And, um, damn it, I can't find it. Okay. I'll give up. I really wanted to share that with you, too. Someone will send it to me. I know it. Um, Kurt writes, that revolting kid (coughs) was cuter when he was younger, but all the hate turned him into a rather ugly young man. He should use some of his lawsuit money to get braces. Now, Kurt... He he was creepy, but he was creepy. He's creepy, whatever age he he is, whatever age. Um, let's see. Uh, so Kenosha, God help us. Hang on, Milton. I see you're always my guy. I hope this is what I was looking for. Yeah, I think. Let, let's try it, okay? Let me try it. Uh, he pulls his mask on. I'm seeing his mask on, so I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want an ad. Fuck you. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not meant... I'm not meant for, for all of this. Do you know how hard it is to try to, you know, whatever... So now I'm just getting Clipper score, the personal, uh, you know, no, it turned into, uh uh-uh, 
not seeing it. And now I'm just seeing the game being played. I don't understand. But that was it. The picture, the still was it. Damn. I give up. Okay. Um, Kenosha. And if anyone can find that for me, damn it. Uh, that'd be good. So there are now two protesters dead in Kenosha. Uh, another seriously injured and dead, not at the hands of the police, but dead because of these white Trumpian gun-toting militia types who were out in force in their camo gear and who took it upon themselves to deal with protesters. And the way they dealt with them is indiscriminately shot into the crowd. They killed two. Uh, one was said, we got thousands more of us. We'll be back. I'll tell you something. <clears throat> the, the danger here, because you started to see this in Portland, um, the danger of this armed conflict between white nationalist Trumpians and overwhelmingly, by the way, peaceful protesters. I want to I want to say that. I also want to suggest that some protesters need to uh, think before they engage in uh, in certain actions. Um, okay, I might have it here. Unless they've taken it, is it possible that they took it down? Because I'm I'm on the thing where I had, where I watched, I'm back to Rivers, where I watched him, and now I can't find it on the very place that I watched. Ah, okay, I got it. Here it is.
but we got to demand better. Like, we got, you know, it's, it's funny. We protest, and they send riot guards, right? Uh, they send people in riot outfits. They go up to Michigan with guns, and they're spitting on cops, and nothing happens. The training has to change in the police force. The unions have to be taken down in the police force. My dad was a cop. I believe in good cops. We're not trying to defund the police and take all their money away. We're trying to get them to protect us, just like they protect everybody else. Uh, how dare the Republicans talk about fear? We're the ones that need to be scared. We're the ones having to talk. Every, to every black child, let white father have to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over. Okay. Well, okay, there there it was. I mean, and that that's a basketball coach wants to talk about his game and you hear the emotion I despair I despair so Um, and thanks for you guys um, who all sent me that. I, I, what I did is I found it on my on my phone. For some reason, isn't that odd? It was on my phone. The same thing that I sent to the computer. I don't. I don't get it. Um, I also mentioned something yesterday, which I want to uh, uh, reiterate again. That I think God is on our side. <laughs> I'm being facetious. But this hurricane, guys, uh, Laura is its name. They are thinking it may hit Texas and Louisiana as a Category 4, which is big. That's a life-threatening storm. The surge alone predicted to be up to 10 feet, and um, that is going to be hitting. It'll be at peak uh, destruction right about when Donald Trump is delivering his speech tomorrow night. And the juxtaposition of Trump and the awesome destructive power of nature uh, and the fact that, of course, he hasn't said anything about it. My phone just died. Amy, my phone died. I can't, I don't know if there's callers. Son of a bitch. Is there a way, Amy, you could just, like, email me <laughs> Is there a caller? Because my phone's gone. What the hell happened? You know, I have technologically, 
um, I am sort of an idiot, but I'm, I do know how to operate my phone and all of a sudden it's just flat out dead and it was fully charged. My God, how am I going to live without a phone? I've been living on this phone. How can I possibly live? Okay, I'm I'm trying. I'm working it. Um, All right. So I I do want to say that as if it weren't enough that Americans were, you know, still dying by, you know, thousands a day. By the way, somebody put out numbers, the death toll just yesterday here, a thousand something, I forget. Which for us is like a pretty good day. Oh, only a thousand, God knows how many other people uh, died. Uh, that's great. Then they posted um, how many people had died in about seven other countries. Some countries it was 12, some countries it was four. Some countries it was, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, f- 52. And then if you added up all those other countries, I think they were almost all European, you didn't even get close to the death toll we had yesterday. And this, can, this happens every day, of course. And the combined population of the countries that, we were being compared to is more than our population. It's a hundred million more. And yet their death toll is like a fraction of ours. And that is a direct result of the inability of this president to do his job. In fact, he spends his time actively trying to make things worse, right? Amy, I got my phone back. Don't have to email. I just turned it off and rebooted it or something. So, uh, and she tells me, in any way, you don't have any callers. So what difference does it make? All right. But (laughs) whatever. So, oh, guys, I don't know. So God help the people who live down there in those red states still trying to deal with all this crap we're dealing with, right? Running for their lives, evacuating their homes, which might not be there when they get back, not to mention the people evacuating their homes in California. Have you heard this president say boo about any of this? He does not give a damn 
about any of it. He only cares about it in as much as it makes him look bad and might harm his re-election chances. And I'm, I'm, I just saw something about Pompeo. You know, I have to tell you, Trump the other day, flat out said he, now, he he doesn't. He just says that he does what he does as president to help himself. He just flat out says it. So the other day he said that he decided to name, to recognize Israel's capital as Jerusalem, that he did that, quote, for the evangelicals, end quote. You think he did that for the Jews? (laughs) Please. If you were to poll most American Jews, they don't think it should have been done. It was provocative. It was unnecessary. He did it because of his need to keep those evangelicals in his pocket. They are the ones who just love Israel. Not because they love Jews. Good God, no. They love Israel because they really believe that the only way they're going to get to heaven, well, in the, the big thing, the rapture thing, is if all us Jews go back to our homeland, right, And then Jesus, I guess, comes back. And then there's this, you know, pitched battle at Armageddon. I have told you that I drove by Armageddon. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought it was, you know, it was just, I didn't know. There it is, the bus driver said. On your right, there's Armageddon. I look, it's a field. But that's the field, I guess. Jesus is going to be there. All us Jews will have been gathered in. And then all us Jews who do not immediately submit and disavow our religion, and I might add Jesus' religion, he was a Jew. He was never a Christian. (laughs) I hate to tell you this. He was a Jew! I wonder if they'll, what's he going to do? You'll have to become a Christian, I guess. I guess. And if you don't become a Christian, you're a dead Jew. Right? This is what they don't give us. And all of the Jews, especially the Orthodox ones, who buy in, thinking the evangelicals are their friends. Are you effing kidding me? To make it very clear what the whole thing was about. Jerusalem. 
Pompeo said as he stood on the roof of the King David Hotel last night. By the way, I've been at the King David Hotel and stay there. Actually, I, I spent a really nice afternoon sitting at a wonderful place across from the King David Hotel, which the Israelis call Yimka. You know what Yimka is? Yimka's been there. It's a marvelous old building. It's been there forever. Since before the state of Israel. Yimka. That's the Y-M-C-A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yimka. And man, they got a patio out back where you can, you know, have lunch. And it's so lovely. It's so lovely. So when I saw Pompeo atop the King David Hotel, all I could think of was Yimka. God, I love that place. The Y-M-C-A. Yeah. Sorry, I digress. But Pompeo, trying to talk about all the wonderful things Donald Trump has done, says that, you know, he assassinated this Soleimani, the, uh, the Iranian, yeah, um, who was. And, and, and Pompeo said, and I noted this because it struck me as so bizarre, he says, he killed this man who was responsible for the murder of thousands of Christians across the Middle East. And I thought, uh, what? Yeah, I guess he probably did kill some Christians, but I think mostly what he killed were, frankly, Muslims and Jews. But our Secretary of State, an evangelical himself, showing that what he, who he was talking to, to screw the Jews, screw the Muslims, I'm standing here on the King David Hotel trying to get the evangelicals in the U.S. fired up. They're feeling a little low after Jerry Falwell Jr. had to, well, go away. As it turns out that I guess even evangelicals look a little bit askance on threesomes. Did you see, by the way, that Jerry Falwell is getting $10.5 million to go away? Incredible. I just, I need people to understand what's happening here. The shamelessness, the audacity, the insanity. 
And, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody's freaking. There's no precedent for the Secretary of State to be making partisan political speeches from a foreign capital. It's never been done. Oh, my God. It doesn't even register anymore. It does not register. And the weird thing, do you know what he said at the end of his speech, his precedent-shattering speech, right before we moved on to another precedent-shatterer of, you know, naturalization ceremony with Trump embracing brown. Oh, there was a black guy, one of the guys from Ghana, I think Ghana, right? One of the shithole countries. The hypocrisy, the cynicism. You know, he had his arm around this prop from a shithole country, and I'll tell you, if that guy's brother or mother tries to get into this country tomorrow, (laughs) he'll lock him up. If his kids try, he'll stick him in cages. Unbelievable shamelessness. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place today. I'm telling you, the cognitive dissonance I suffered last night has scrambled my head in a in a terrifying way. I, you know, Bruni said he was afraid. I'm afraid too because I feel like my my mind is being uh, affected in a very negative manner. At any rate, Pompeo ended his speech atop the King David Hotel by saying, may God ritually bless you. Now I thought, did he just say, may God richly bless you? But then I saw a transcript. May God ritually bless you. What does that mean? This commingling of this evangelical Christianity with our governmental leadership is has been going on for far too long. And I have here from a Jewish publication, the foreword, that polling shows that most American Jews oppose Trump. And most American Jews opposed his Israeli policy. And they actually had somebody squawking about, oh, it was that awful Biondi woman, saying that um, the Democrats are, you know, nepotistic, that all you have to do is look at Biden to see the horrible nepotism. She says this, sandwiched in between one Trump after another. I mean, the only people he can have that really speak are people that he has, I guess, uh, brought into the family one way or the other.
what? Doug writes, as a liberal Black Lives Matter supporter, I have to say that the shooting in Kenosha, you mean the shooting of him, as opposed to the shooting last night of two protesters. The shooting in Kenosha seemed to be at least helped along by the actions of the victim, Jacob Blake. Ah, come on! I wish Black Lives Matter would preach the fact that ignoring police orders and just walking around and reaching in a vehicle will get you shot. No, it will not get you shot. It wouldn't get me shot. Sorry, I'm screaming. It wouldn't get me shot. If a black person in this country has no real freedom, if a cop, if a police officer confronts them, if they have to immediately eschew all of their civil liberties and just do what they are told. Well, that's not, that ain't what I think of as America. We're police. See, they don't do that to me. They probably don't do that to you. They do it to black people and black men, especially because they're viewed as threats. How many black men in their cars, maybe reaching for the registration they've been asked to produce, get shot because the cops think they get reaching for a, a phone, reaching for it like Johnny Damage is dead for God's sake. We, this doesn't happen to white people. There can't be a standard for if you're a black man in this country, the cops get to humiliate you, push you around. You got, they say drop to the ground. You drop. As Doc Rivers said, do white people have this conversation with their kids? They don't have to. I'm sorry, Doug. I don't agree with you. And so many of these people who have tried to comply, we have videos of people trying to comply with every order that comes out. And what does it get them? It gets them dead. What did it get George Floyd? What's a black man supposed to do? Follow their orders and end up dead? Or not follow their orders and end up dead? It doesn't seem to matter much. His three children were sitting in the back seat. 
and you're going to say he <coughs> that's a classic thing of blaming a rape victim for what she was wearing come on keep your eye on who killed him or who tried to kill him who amazingly didn't kill him just paralyzed him and maybe killed him we don't know yet I'm sorry. I appreciate you giving your point of view, but that's what my reaction was to it. That was my reaction. You can't imagine, Doug, the fear that black parents live with every time their kid even if their kids in their 20s walks out the door. White men, and I'm assuming you are, white men do not have a clue what it is like to walk on the street as a black man. For that matter, you don't have a clue what it is like to walk on the street as a woman. Black or white. We're looking around. I assure you, I'm walking down the street. I'm looking around at night if I'm alone. Are you kidding? I'm afraid. Some people say I'm reckless for being there. So I guess if you're a woman, you really don't have the same freedom of movement that you white men have. But if you're a black man or you're a woman, if you you do not have the same, you don't live in the same world, and you white guys don't have the same experience. You don't get it. All right, I'm sorry. I have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to say that, that uh, when that Nikki Haley the other day said there wasn't racism in America. Oh, God, yes, she did. Holy this isn't a racist shit. country, she said. Yeah, I don't know how she said it. And it, it runs deep, and it hasn't changed since the days of John Lewis with civil rights. It really hasn't. It's been covered up. It's been masqueraded. But it is deep, and it, the sad thing it's never going to go away because that's the way these people are in this country. It is there, and it's disgusting. Yeah. They're disgusting people, and this yeah. stuff with the police is disgusting. Yeah. Okay, that's all i got to say. Thank you. See you later. Okay, bye. Uh, I'm sorry. I just... You know, I'm close to just losing. I am. I'm sorry. I just don't think we're going to make it. Um, all right. I'll get back to Milton Wright's. Um, I have a theory about the term cancel culture. 
I think that the term and all of the negative connotations that accompany it is another branding exercise. Well, they're good at it by the right wing. Cancel culture is a name given to boycotting by the right because they never have the numbers to make a real boycott successful. Think about it. The list of boycotts you read that Trump called for, (laughs) right, where'd they go? They all failed. Nobody stopped using AT&T. No NFL players were released from their teams because they knelt. And despite the loud and constant calls from the right to cancel Colin Kaepernick, he is more popular in American culture than ever. He's been deprived of the career he worked so hard to pursue. But he's popular. On the other hand, when progressive folks call for a boycott, more often than not, there is a positive response in the culture. Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, just two examples of people who felt the consequences of their xenophobic rhetoric. They both had to take extended leaves of absence after making offensive statements on their shows, resulting in sponsor boycotts that were successful. It was around this time, Milton says, that the term cancel culture entered the American lexicon. Suddenly, the right became very vocal about cancel culture. It's nothing but a renaming of boycott because theirs never work. Ah, I hope this makes sense, Milton says. Gee whiz, it makes sense. That makes sense. And they're pulling it off, aren't they? Although I will say this, it is a little more complicated than that because they were using, I don't know if they used the term cancel culture before, to talk about what was going on at a lot of uh, universities, you know, where uh, so-called progressives uh, refused to allow somebody whose views they didn't agree with to speak on campus. And so that was a part of the parcel, too, Um, I believe. But uh, that's a good good point. Uh, I have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello, this is Kurt from Swissvale. Hi, Kurt. Sorry, that email was a little bit petty, but I had to do it. It was totally petty. You cannot shame a kid for how he looks, even a jerk of a kid. <laughs> I assume he's an adult by now. I don't know. But I don't anyway, know. He's not much of one. The, the, the thing that gets me so often about the, the conservative response to shootings like Jacob Blake and Richard Brooks is nobody seems to care about the phrase, he was shot in the back anymore. I know. No. I mean, I grew up with John Wayne and TV Westerns, and the only people that shot other people in the back, whether they were gunslingers or not, were yellow cowards. 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 Yeah. That's right. 
That is right. And now Cowards. You, now you get police chasing people down that are unarmed, although there's some stories out there that maybe Jacob Blake had a knife, but nobody knows. And But he followed him. He pursued him. He stayed in close range. Even if he had a knife, if you stay five or six feet away, which I'd be doing now anyway, right? <laughs> you don't have to worry about a knife. I mean, yeah. why... Why not just the same with Rayshard Brooks? Why not just let the guy get in his car and drive away? You know who he is already. Shoot him up later. Why track him down and shoot him in the back? And then people say, well, that was totally justified, even though he was making no attack. I... That's, this is how far we've come, though. The people don't even react to the guy is has his back to him. There are, do we train these cops in in how to uh, you know restrain a human being without shooting them? I don't even understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been reading this thing. By the way, do you know that now the cops? in cahoots with paramedics, if they do manage to actually arrest somebody and they don't kill them, they actually arrest them. But the person is still being, whether they are or not, the cops decide they're being belligerent. Because I guess cops can't stand a person who is already incapacitated with handcuffs, but they still a threat of some sort, even if it's a verbal one at that point. They are having paramedics shoot them up. If you can't shoot them dead, you shoot these people up with a drug that is like a sedative, an immediate acting sedative. It just knocks knocks them out. Ketamine, I think it's called. This is what they did. That kid who got killed, I forget in which southwestern state the young black kid the colorado violinist uh yes him um yeah kurt mcsomething he after they had him down and subdued him or even after they what shot him i don't know i don't even remember this they shot him up too I think he went into cardiac arrest. Is that what happened? So apparently there's a there's some paramedics who are starting to say, I don't want to, I'm, this is not my job to be part of, I'm here to help somebody. Not to help the police in their paranoia. I don't know. This, the cops are out of control and they are ill-trained, obviously. And there are far too many people with badges on who don't have the psychological wherewithal to handle the job. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking this morning, you know, maybe what we need to do, because I, I don't think this is the case. I think the state needs to license police officers so that it ceases to become a thing of local jurisdiction and unions if they engage in some egregious behavior that their license can be pulled and then they can't be cops in another district or they can't be cops in that district because 
I mean, the guys that shot Leon Ford and cost us all five and a half million dollars because Pittsburgh's self-insured. So that's twenty bucks for every single one of us. <laughs> they shot. Oh yeah. Not George. Leon. Not George Miles. Leon Ford. If I said that wrong. Yes. Yes. Um, Leon Ford. Yeah. Uh, those guys are still on duty. Yeah. Who else? Who listening to this program would still have their job if they cost their employer five and a half million dollars for negligence? And who of well, us would do business with a company that kept them employed? Gonna- well, that's why Doc Rivers, who's Doc Rivers, whose dad was a cop for his whole working life, Doc Rivers yeah. said, "Got to get rid of these cop unions." And I am a union maid, and I agree. The cops can't have a union. Yeah. They should not have a union. They don't deserve yeah, a union. Either they have to have some check and balance on it. Like you say, the licensure might work, but Something. what they're doing is just nuts. Yeah, so it, I don't know. You know, you see this stuff, and then I, you know, I look at people and see what they're saying. It's like, you know, I saw one comment this morning about Jacob Blake. Yeah. Because he had an arrest record. As near as I can tell, he was never convicted of anything, but he was arrested at least once. He's a black and, man uh, in America. You damn well bet he was arrested yeah. at least once. So she says, well, as far as I'm concerned, the cops did us a favor. <laughs> oh, for God's <laughs> sake almighty. Uh, oh, no. God. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, as I was saying, I think we're effed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 frightening to see how much of this is there, and you wonder: is it always there, just under the surface, or does it mm-hmm. take some administration like the one we have? Well, to really but I think, yeah, it didn't it just. No, it's always been there. We're just now seeing it. We've been blind. We've not, and people were, yeah, more reticent to share their. Uh, hate. But yes, in that regard, Trump has unleashed it, made it perfectly okay. But no, it's been there since day one. And part of it has to be just, I'm sorry, human nature, which uh, is, uh, you know, that, 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 primitive brain that uh, of ours um and in some people that's that's the thing that works the best and that's all about fear and uh it, it, this is we're easily manipulated easily made to uh feel threatened um boy i don't know but i do despair i'm sorry i do yeah. all right kurt thank you all righty. Have a good day. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. Just sit in the garden. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it is true. We do. I, I don't want you to think I sit here all day in a, I, you know, of course we extract what joy we can. Um, but if we're paying attention to the bigger picture, it's pretty, it's pretty frightening. And I was mentioning to friends last night that we have to understand that our fear, our sense of cataclysm, impending doom, is 
mirrored on the other side by Trump supporters who are afraid, too. And their fear is being whipped up. I mean, they would argue our fear is being whipped up. We have two opposing camps now in America living in totally different realities, terrified of the other, terrified of the other gaining, uh, you know, power or retaining power. And that is why this election coming up is so fraught. If we're going to be seeing shooting in the streets, as we are, not just by cops, but by vigilantes on the right shooting down protesters, I don't know that we're even going to get to an election. We're going to have a civil war before it or after it when the president refuses to leave the White House if he lost, or when generally nobody, you, me, or them, accept the results. Where are we heading? I'm just asking. Oh, and a fellow in misery, Roger, has written in, Yesterday I was low and telling my wife the saying that we're doomed. Win or lose, the yahoos aren't going anywhere. The Nazis just crawled back into their holes after World War II, and now their progeny are back out. Uh, education, hell, you know, in Germany, by the way, there is a real, um, yeah, they are crawling out of the holes everywhere. They are. Education helps, but we've been seeing resistance to education. And, yeah, where, what side does that come from? Because uh, they do better when people are easily manipulated, which means they don't have, they haven't learned the capacity to think for themselves. Roger says, do we really need to have another civil war? And he says, my wife's yelling at me to do something. I guess she's right. <laughs> well, oh, dear God. All right. Well, I am not seeing the coronavirus update yet. And we are a good, uh, what, 10 minutes over our usual time. So I guess I'll... Um, I will go and um, wish you all the best. And and I got to tell you, the polls are tightening. Um, if you think for a minute that this is a done deal, that Biden's going to win in a landslide, you're you're out of your mind. And I have to tell you that if you have never worked for a political campaign before, you got to do it now. We all have to step up in ways that we've never done before. Do something. It'll make you feel better, I assure you.
Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. See you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.